Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Y'all, welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. I have an exciting guest today. I am so excited to introduce you to Bess Matassa. Bess is a New York-based astrologer and tarot reader. I am waving to Bess um, across boroughs right now. Uh, Also has a PhD and who serves up a mystical self-inquiry with a side of play, poetry, and pop music. Before we hopped on this call, we already talked about Carly Rae Jepsen and some other people we will not mention because it was very upsetting. Um, But we have now officially bonded and are really excited to talk today about Bess's new book, The Numinous Cosmic Year, Your Astrological Almanac, and all the work that Bess is doing in the world. So Bess, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm tender, I'm vivid, I'm alive. So are you. So let's get down to it. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. Tender, vivid, and alive. So yeah, Bess, who are you and what are you making in this world? Oh my God, who am I? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm a being who is really here to use the modalities of astrology and tarot as best I can to help people inject their lives with mythology, with magic, um, really elevate the texture of the mundane into the magical as best I can do. Um, And I say who else I am in this world and what I'm doing. Um, I think I'm a being who's always been a romantic. And the way that really functions for me through the modalities of astrology and tarot has been to use these, um, these modalities kind of as texturizers, as ways to elevate, um, elevate our existences and really get at these questions of why we're here and who we are and what we're up to. Ooh, um, I love this idea of texturizing. This is such a, such a uh, visual, uh, description of something that I think for a lot of folks, even people who are interested in things like astrology and tarot often seems very, um, well, very linguistic, very word-based and less ultimately such for astrology, a little bit less kind of visual. So talk to me a little bit more about texturizing. Like what does that yeah. mean to you? <laughs> yeah. So when I was a little kid and the way that I first got into astrology was through this very like famous astrological tome called Parker's Astrology. And in Parker's Astrology, I think the current edition still has this, but basically the front pages are the 12 astrological signs. And there's kind of this little like treasure hunt of these full color pages where you can see each sign and you see the colors that are associated with it and the herbs and the cities around the world. And when I was like a nine or 10 year old little baby Bess, I was completely bowled over by this colorful world. And so I started this kind of treasure hunt with astrology. And so for me, astrology is, it's not like a symbolic kind of out there. I think often we get kind of in this heady space with it where it's like describing a state rather than we're actually embodying the state. But you know, if you take an energy like Leo, for example, even if people are super newbies to astrology, if you've ever bit into a really juicy, like almost overripe tomato, you're already experiencing Leo energy. There's this kind of exuberance. There's a certain exposure. There's a certain like juiciness to the energy. And so it's not that that's like a symbol of the energy. It's actually when we're engaging bits of the physical material world, we're already channeling and experiencing and wielding the energy of the Zodiac. First of all, I just love that you went with Leo. All the Leos would be very, very happy that you you focused. Are you a Leo, Bess? I'm not, but I have a Leo moon. So my Ah. core is Leonine. (laughs) I can't lie. I can't can't hide it. You guys can't hide. Um, Okay. Because I do think, you know, and I've been astro adjacent for many years now, but that, that neck, that step of kind of like being like, okay, here is a, is a system, a a mythology, as you, as you said, um, but bringing that to the level of embodiment feels like almost like it feels like it's some next level stuff, but based on your book and the way you're talking about it, it sounds to me like maybe I have that a little bit backwards and actually the embodiment is, is a, something that's actually really accessible to folks at different stages of their astrological knowledge and journey. Yeah. I mean, and I think that kind of immediacy is something that we sometimes forget when we get, you know, kind of in this jam with astrology of, oh my God, all this, this tangle of lines of the birth chart or the degrees or what's happening on this particular day. And when we really kind of reel it back in, astrology is just four basic elements. And all of us already experience those in our daily lives. And 
you know, for me, astrology is really a language of recovery rather than like another overlay where we have to learn all of these other things. It's a kind of remembrance. And so, you know, if you've ever stepped into sunlight or lit a match, you've experienced fire energy. You know, if you've ever breathed, um, which hopefully you have, you know, you've experienced air and so on. And so really kind of reeling these back and dialing these back to the immediacy to make them accessible because they're already, you know, alive within us all. I love that because I think there is such a, an intuitive felt sense for the ability to extrapolate meaning from those lived experiences. And when I would teach tarot, that was something that was really uh, primary for me as a teacher was like, I don't need to tell you what, yeah, what air is like, right? Like, especially like, especially in the English language, we have so many, um, we have so many metaphors that are already rooted in elements um, Mm. that like there's, there's already a, a language that can then be applied on top of these like embodied experiences that can yeah be extrapolated to help you to like decipher, decode, and yes, texturize um, your your understanding of the world. Um, oh, that's juicy! And I'm still thinking about the tomato you mentioned like a few yeah. minutes ago, probably because <laughs> tomato season is over, and now I'm oh, sad. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get good tomatoes in New York anyway, even during tomato season. So don't say it. Yeah. I just moved back. You're gonna make me cry. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So let's go back to baby Bess. Um, I first of all I love this image of you like decoding um the 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 images in this book it reminded me I was like that sounded like me trying to figure out elvish in the borders <laughs> of like the lord of the rings books except oh, I never did and obviously you made some progress in terms of your decoding um but tell us a little bit about how you came to astrology and tarot what is this like what is this journey how, who gave you that book first of all God knows or goddess knows or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that I was, I remember wandering through bookstores and through libraries and just getting my hands on anything that I could. I don't know, remember where that book came from. I remember I had this other kind of like pop-up pull tab book on astrology that was intended for adults, but it was very appealing to a kid, you know, with all these kinds of graphics and pull tabs. And it was called Heaven on Earth. I think it's out of print, but I think you can still get it, you know, still get it around. But I remember finding that one in a bookstore in Baltimore. And I think my family must have been there for some reason. And we stumbled into this bookstore and I was like unleashed on it and went straight for the mystical section as like a 10 year old Mm -hmm. and found this book. And yeah, I mean, I think for me, I was such a fiery little kid. And for me, the element of fire has a lot to do archetypally with this kind of larger than life's like sensation. And so I was always seeking to kind of inject things with more color and more layers. And so astrology and then tarot, you know, probably a couple of years later, uh, I was probably like a middle schooler when I got into tarot was like this, this other heroic layer to like the narrative of life. So I could imagine myself as this kind of like archetypal figure and everybody around me as these larger than life kind of heroes um, on their particular journeys. And it really um, helped me get through like the daily kind of nitty gritty stuff of like doing my homework and making the bed and things that like threatened to put my fire out sometimes or so I felt. (laughs) (laughs) Making the bed's the worst. I know. Um, I used to sing a song when I made the bed that was like, imagining myself as a soap opera star in a drama called life but I was this character called like Lilac Moore starring as Bess Matassa in life and then I would just sing the theme song as I made the bed because I couldn't deal with like the mundane of it yeah it was tragic (laughs) that's maybe the greatest thing I've ever heard um so this yearning to add add meaning add richness um to yeah, to, as you said, kind of like, was like elevate the mundane, make it, make it more than bring that, that the color to it. Um, how does that impact the way that you work with astrology now? Um, Cause that's, I mean, I, there's so many different ways of working with astrology, so many different perspectives on it. This kind of like, yes, like your, your life as mythology, um, what does that bring to the table when you are working with astrology and then, you know, like writing, writing your book on it? 
Yeah. So I think in the early years, you know, I was practicing something that I called sensuous astrology and tarot. And so my sessions with clients, and this is, you know, starting, I started professionally maybe about eight or nine years ago, probably eight years ago now. Um, it was in my life all the way up until that point. And then, you know, through a series of crazy events, it became professionalized. Um, but in the early days of that, it looked like full sensory sessions with clients. So we would look at their chart, but we would look at the playlist of their chart. We would look at the smells. We would look at recipes. We would look at, um, you know, artistic inspiration, architecture. Um, in the very early days, I had an offering called Street Science, where I would take people basically on an interactive walk through their birth chart using New York City neighborhoods. So I would look symbolically at the chart and see you know, where those energies could be awakened. You know, if we were working on the Scorpio-Taurus axis, we might be down in Coney Island, you know, looking at sort of regenerate, regenerative processes and, you know, basically taking people on this walk through their charts. And then that spawned all of these kinds of mystical material mashups. And so that, although I don't do those kinds of sessions formally anymore, it still continues to really inform my work in this very kind of human way. Um, I think there's an there's an element of like the larger in lifeness and the injection. And then there's sometimes also kind of like this stripping down and unraveling that we can do with astrology, kind of getting closer to the core and simplifying. And so it's kind of like, sounds almost paradoxical on the surface, but it's both like injecting, like using astrology to inject these kinds of sequins into our existence and really dress things up and sort of trick things out and make them more than, but also stripping us back to this kind of fundamental core and using them to get at our simplicity are a really sweet and strong simplicity in those moments. I'm always here for a paradox. So yeah, <laughs> that's it's like, it's fantastic. Great. Tell me more. Um, but yeah, so let, let's talk about the crazy. If you're up for it, how did you begin doing this work professionally, especially something you've been yeah. carrying with you from childhood? Yeah, well, it was basically through a complete psychological breakdown that I entered into in 2013. Those are yeah, my favorite. Through, yeah. <laughs> the best. Um, yeah. In the uh, in the words of my one of my beloved tarot teachers, Lindsay Mack, it was like definitely a sub basement tower moment uh, in, in the tarot um, where I basically was like it was the closest I'd ever come to wanting to depart the planet and not exist here anymore um, through a series of events that sort of inspired this. And basically my entire apparatus, as it was known up to that point, got completely stripped back. Um, I was basically just like having to kind of reassert my life force in the face of imminent death, you know, which felt to me like imminent death. And in reasserting the life force and making sense of what I was experiencing, I was like partnered with this angel of a being who was a Jungian analyst and also an astrologer. And she really helped me, you know, therapist, uh, helped me um, stay on the side of life during that time. And a lot of it was, I, the only thing I could really make contact with during those moments was a tarot deck and my astrology books. And at the time I was finishing up a PhD, I was like adjuncting or whatever <laughs> that world was and just trying to like hang on. And it just was like not a viable way for me to continue. And astrology and tarot were just getting kind of bigger and bigger in terms of being forces in my life. And basically on the day that I can really pinpoint that I kind of entered this breakdown phase was the day that I offered my first professional reading with, you know, that I saw my first client and I had no idea at that point, you know, um, it was through street signs. So we did like a walk in a New York neighborhood. And, and then, you know, eight years later, here we are. So astrology, I can say the languages of astrology and tarot certainly helped me save my own life at that point. And for that, I am very glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, something I really value hearing those kinds of stories and I appreciate you sharing with us is there's so much of the world that invalidates where we find meaning. And as someone who also has had a breakdown to breakthrough moment that has led <laughs> me here. Um, you know, I think it, it's so helpful to, to hear that like these tools, like they have meaning, like they can yeah. be, you know, that, that there's nothing like, there's nothing, um, what am I trying to say? There's, 
there's nothing silly about about tarot and astrology and and using these these symbols and these uh these systems to support us Yeah, it's like very vital and very nutritive. And that was a moment where I was not feeding on much else, you know, and I was just (laughs) covered under a blanket of 78 tarot cards, just (laughs) like waiting for spring to come metaphorically. (laughs) So, yeah. So you took on uh, your first client, made some shifts and um, I'm assuming you're no longer adjuncting at this point. (laughs) I'm not, I am not. Yeah, I, I formally left the academic world probably the next year after that. Yeah. It was like 2014. So yeah. And I have not been back in the fold since then. We have a lot of academic uh, refugees in our community. So I'm sure they'll resonate with that. May I ask what is your PhD in? I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, it's basically in a whole lot of nonsense. No, it's, it's not nonsense, but (laughs) it's basically um, the, the technical field is American studies, but my field is urban cultural geography. So basically what I studied and what I worked with was how people um, poeticize their landscapes around them, how we kind of relate to place and imbue places in urban areas with meaning and how the places love us back. So in some ways, not unlike what I've done with astrology and tarot in terms of- That sounds um, very similar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. So- for folks who are maybe some of our people who are maybe a little bit newer to astrology or those who are like getting pretty into it, but are, um, I think something I, I kind of hear and see a lot are, and I, I love details. I love nerding out. So please y'all don't take this the wrong way, but maybe getting a little bit bogged down in the, um, <laughs> the details of astrology. I can't think of a better word than the, 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 the laborious, um, understanding of the, of the systems and the, the frameworks of astrology. I'd love to talk a little bit about kind of the practical application of this um, essential astrology that you're talking about, especially within the realm of business, because I think that that business in particular is a place where words like embodiment, for example, are often not really discussed. (laughs) We're not really like, how can I add texture to the experience of my business? (laughs) It's a lot of the narrative is, is very, um, is very, very linear, very logical. Um, and like, as somebody who straddles these lines, you're an astrologer and you run a business, you know, how are you using this in through the lens that you work with astrology for business and how can we kind of, you know, how can we apply this? Yeah, I think that's a super interesting question. And when you were speaking, I don't know, you know, this is the first thing that popped into my mind, but I think it's true of all of kind of life force and cycles. You know, we can talk about the elements as applied to the way that we kind of like come into wholeness around our business and also sort of like tapping different moments that feel different ways. Like there's moments where there's fire that's like injected into our creation process and there's kind of like will and there's, you know, bursting into being and all of that, you know, the offering of that element. And then there's moments of like, where we need a lot of spaciousness, where we need a lot of breath and with that kind of air element. And then there's moments where there's a real internal incubation that's happening, this kind of watery swirl of energy or a moment where it's super tangible, tasteable, kind of graspable, the pragmatics of earth. And so I think even like starting with kind of like a check-in around our business and like what those, the expression of those four elements look like can be cool. And then also I'm thinking a lot about modalities in astrology. And even if you're just a newbie to astrology, this is kind of like the next layer after the elements. We've got the four elements and there's three, you know, signs of the 12 signs in each of those four elements. And then the modalities, we have cardinal, fixed and mutable. And so each of the signs are also one of those three modalities. And like all of life, we're always in a moment where we're either kind of in cardinal energy, which is the initiation of something, the kind of um, bursting into being of like a particular um, inauguration or initiation. And then there's the fixed energy, which is kind of that abiding, that really hunkering down, the sinking the teeth into. And then there's the mutable, there's the falling away, there's the disseminating to beget something else. And so I think it's also can be interesting to look at those um, modalities is kind of a lens view for interpreting business cycles or moments. And, you know, there's lots of ways you can play with this. I mean, you can play with this through the actual natural months of the calendar year, you know, when it's Capricorn season, we're in Cardinal earth, for example. Um, but you can also play with this through your chart, you know, looking at your big three, your sun, moon rising and saying like, Oh, like, 
where do I kind of have um, a saturation? Do I have one element that's stronger? Do I have one modality that's stronger? And just noticing, like, I'm a super cardinal kid. I have like almost all my personal planets in cardinal. So it's really like natural for me to kind of like gangbusters, like initiate something. And then the moments of stabilization or the moments of dissemination, especially are, you know, more challenging in some ways. So looking also at our wiring around those kinds of cycles and rhythms, I think can be cool. I like that a lot, you know, that I think the, first of all, I'm like, also, I was like, yes, I was like, I am a starter. I recognize that. <laughs> um, but you know, this kind of mix, and of course, this is like astrology as a whole, I get that, but like <laughs> this mix of like your unique, your, your makeup, your chart, your, your particular situation, um, and then putting that within the context of the year itself starts to create some really, I think, interesting possibilities for things like, like planning. And, um, you know, I love our, like my, my, my students who plan all their launches based on like that stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they're like, they're like, I am, uh, you know, this will be in this part and this house and this thing. And then, then they lost <laughs> me though. I, you guys are all so brilliant. I'm so glad you're here and tell me this yeah. stuff. But, um, but that there's this, this way to kind of almost, it sounds like the way you're talking about it, there's a very kind of, again, an, an almost intuitive understanding and, and rhythm that can emerge by even kind of those, with those kind of basic applications that can then help to drive at the very least comprehension um, but also, I mean, there's really sounds like there's nothing cooler probably than like working in your business in the context of astrology, talk about like mythologizing something um, yeah. like that, yeah. that would be such a really interesting way to play with it. I'm curious, like for you as a business owner, how does astrology play into your own decision-making processes? Or are you someone who's like, I do this all day and then I kind of like need a break and need something like super mundane? Yeah, I think it's like, it's kind of almost just baked in. It's almost like I don't really see it because it's sort of in the bones of things sometimes. It's interesting because I think, you know, and I'm not here to say, obviously like, you know, you have to, to get to the moment of like jazz improvisation with reading charts, you have to like, <laughs> no music. You don't have to know how to make music, but like, I don't know. I'm at the point where I, I, I kind of off-road a lot. Like I kind of look at the 12 signs as these, um, these kind of letters or feeling tones or different landscapes where it's almost like an intention setting the same way that you might sometimes work with a tarot deck and pull a card out, like to put on your altar or put on your shelf, you know, as a kind of vocalization point rather than like kind of pulling it cold and like seeing what do I get. I kind of work with astrology in a similar way in my own life. It's not always how I work with clients, but it's sort of a feeling of like, okay, there's this language. And often I do work with clients this way too. I'm like looking at their birth chart, but I'm also just like seeing what comes alive. And I may be looking at somebody's chart and there's no Capricorn transits there. They have no planets in Capricorn, but all I'm feeling is like Capricorn energy. And so we talk about it. And so it's almost like this little collection of like 12 totally distinctive life worlds that it's like, how do I both excavating how I naturally feel today, but also how I feel that I'm unfolding or what I'm unfolding toward and using those as kind of like beacons almost as like zodiac sign beacons of development. And so, you know, and then sometimes it's not nearly that abstract and it's much more like, okay, right now we're in Scorpio season and damn, does it feel Scorpionic <laughs> because it has been like, it feels very, you know, you can feel that energy and it's not, but it's very seldom do I, am I like, oh my God, at this minute of this day, this transit is happening and I've got to, you know, make this happen and all of that kind of really tweaky tangle. And some people are able to work like you know, through that in a very lubricated way, but that's just not how I, I'm kind of a big smear of a person. <laughs> like I like kind of big smears of energy and I respond in that way. And so I think it's, yeah, it's a combination of knowing my personal astrology of also knowing these archetypes and being able to kind of pluck them at will, um, you know, to sort of use them intentionally and also tracking kind of the larger seasons and the big, big rhythms of the transits and things that are going on rather than like kind of a day-to-day basis or hour-to-hour decision-making. Yeah, I feel like that really comes through in, in your book, The Numinous Cosmic Year, this like big smear, I really like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really super sexy. For all, for all of you out there that really want your life to be a big smear, <laughs> this book is for you. 
<laughs> but this this sense of um, it it feels like a tool of possibility in a way that sometimes I think astrology and kind of especially like looking like year ahead style astrology and maybe talk a little bit about about the book and like what it is, but that that it doesn't always feel like a tool of possibility. It feels more like a dictate. Like mm-hmm. these are the rules, these are the structures, these are the the yeah here here's here's the calendar. Um, and this has a really great smeary vibe to it. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get that word. to we gotta put that on the back of the book jacket. I'm asking to revise the <laughs> great smeary vibe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, the, but this a, a real um, uh, like a red carpet to possibility. There. Yeah, that's, the, that's I what like I got. That. That's slightly I like scary. that. Yeah. 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 And I think it really speaks to this question, not question, but this kind of um, dynamic in astrology that often comes up where sometimes people are like, is it this or is it this? Is it fate or is it free will? You know, am I like locked into my chart, you know, this moment in time, or am I coming, you know, with my willpower? And I think we're really kind of breaking the binary with astrology. A lot of astrologers are are working in this way now or moving toward working in this way where it's almost like for me, astrology is like a wave. And I don't know, I've never been surfing. I'm like petrified of the ocean. So maybe this isn't (laughs) not a great metaphor, but it's like this feeling of like that I've seen with surfers or people where they kind of like catch a big wave or they catch some wind, you know, windsurfing. And there's a, there's a feeling of like that moment where you look at what's here, what's possible, what's coming. And then you look at your capacity and you rise to like match or meet it. And for me, that's kind of the intersection of fate and free will. And it's where I really think that astrology sits. And so we're looking at like 2022 or any given year or month or even our birth chart as this landscape, as this topography, but where we're going to go in that, how we're going to play, you know, what we're going to, you know, sort of what areas of that landscape we're going to hang out in are entirely up to us. And so I think keeping things buoyant, you know, keeping things moored, obviously in the language. And it's why I really, you know, maybe I'm overstating the case of them, but I'm really kind of drilled down into the 12 zodiac signs. And that's how I use astrology in my life. And I really believe that the more you understand those 12 archetypes and are really able to kind of rotate them in your mind, see them in everyday situations, pick them up in the texture of your life, the more you'll be able to understand everything else that unrolls from astrology. Because, you know, if you look at Gemini, Gemini is also related to the planet Mercury, to the third house, you know, to in the tarot, to all of these different cards, the lovers, et cetera. And so it's like, if we really kind of like keep these 12 symbols or textures sort of top of mind. And I think that's how, you know, looking at the book kind of through the natural unfolding of the year can be useful to remember that even when we get kind of caught caught up in these dates or what's happening or what's retrograde in this particular day, what's, you know, stationing direct, we're still in the overall season every year of each of these 12 sign archetypes. Yeah. No, and I, and that also is, at least again, somebody who is like astro adjacent, that also feels more accessible, like as a way to actually engage with astrology, where we're rooted into something that like, I can pick up this book and understand what we're talking about. Right. It's great. Right. I like how too, you're talking about these, these archetypes as, as textures, there's a, a flavor to the experience of them. Um, and it sounds very, I mean, you're, you're pulling in some tarot here as well. It sounds very similar to how it was when I was learning the tarot archetypes and learning those stories and starting to see them everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because they are, it, it is, it, it is a map for life, um, a map, a terrain. Um, but yeah, can you tell us a little bit about, about your book, uh, yeah. the Luminous Cosmic Year? And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you approached writing an entire year's worth of astrology work in advance. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty wild. I'll actually start, well, no, I'll start by describing what's actually in the book, but the writing process was actually a a wet and wild one. So the Numinous Cosmic Year is a kind of almanac and part of the, it takes you through every month of 2022 from, you know, January to December. And part of that is kind of evergreen astrological teachings. So there's a part of each chapter on each month that's really about exactly what we've been speaking to, kind of tapping the feeling tone of this particular season. You know, we enter January in Capricorn energy every year. You know, we enter February in Aquarius energy. What does that kind of 
feel like, you know, and how can we kind of step into the skin of that? Um, and it gives a little bit of a, some hot tips for like engaging that energy year on year, um, based on your sign. And you can use that and read it for your sun sign, your moon sign, your rising. And there's a little guide in how to kind of do that. And then there's also some date, some 2022 date specific guidelines around, um, you know, different specific energies that are coming up each month. And then there's a playful sensory section that includes some flavors that you might touch in with um, during that particular season and some activities, all of these kinds of things like similar to the juicy tomato um, for really kind of bringing alive these energies and thus for kind of learning to speak astrology more fluently. And the writing process was was a very interesting one because, you know, as you know, like the book, like when the book actually comes out, then we've got to like roll it back quite a bit in terms of the actual writing and then, you know, all of the, the editing process and all of this. And so I was actually writing this book um, in fairly early quarantine. So uh, in like September of 2020 um, and, or was it 2020? Yeah, in September of 2020, yep, that was correct. So, so like September to November of 2020 um, was when the first kind of drafting process happened. And so, you know, I was in that moment, I was just trying to kind of like more myself in that moment. So I think in that sense, like a lot of what came through in the book was, um, you know, a kind of like, what would be most beautifully useful to someone like at a, at a moment in time when a lot of us were kind of stripped down and stripped back. I was really kind of like cut back to the core of astrological teachings in my own life. And so I think those kinds of feelings for those kinds of sensations of really wanting to create this as a volume of support really came through. Um, and one that like, didn't use a lot of jargon, you know, wasn't like hard to read or like hard on the spirit in any way. Not that I usually write in a way that's hard on the spirit, but like really kind of like make this silky, make this something that's, that's pleasurable. And, and then, you know, it was looking at kind of big transits and big waves of energy and, and really kind of attempting to feel into those, to sort of project myself into the feeling tone of it, um, you know, keeping in mind kind of the big, big shifts, like the nodal axis shift, you know, the eclipse shift that happens, um, you know, and things of that nature and really not getting hung up too much on kind of like the nitty gritty, like all of that kind of like the daily, um, the dailiness that I think can kind of trip us up with astrology sometimes. And so, um, yeah, I think keeping it moored both in the big picture, but also offering some things, you know, for 2022 that I felt were vital. Um, but I think the word vitality really came through for me um, in the writing of it, you know, and if something wasn't beautiful and wasn't vital, it hopefully it didn't get into the book, you know, so that was, yeah, that was the process. But yeah, it was just me cocooned in Brooklyn in fall of 2020, you know, trying to like wield, wield the astrological teachings as best I could. Super low key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> I'm always kind of I'm curious as I, I'm such a, I was going to call myself a wannabe writer. That's not entirely true. I do write, but um, I have not written a book. Um, I just like cocooned up. Like, what is your process? Because this isn't the first book project you've worked on. You've written some other books. You've written a deck. Um, you, what is your, how do you start to approach a project like this where it's like, great, like, right you know, almost 300 pages on something that hasn't happened yet, um, which I just love. Yeah. <laughs> just, but uh, do you, you know, from kind of like a more like kind of zoned into like your, your systems, how you support yourself, how do you work on big projects like this, especially as you said, being a, a cardinal starter kind of, kind of kid? Yeah. So this one really kind of undid my usual process. And there were a lot of factors that were contributing to it. I was going through a you know, kind of a big personal emotional transformation going through, um, you know, a romantic separation at that time. And there was a lot of other stuff like going on. I had just been through this like really crazy body journey, you know, that had like uh, strip off, stripped off all my hair. And so I was like just emerging from like turbans and like growing my hair back. And there was a lot like going on in terms of like extreme exfoliations. And so I really had to approach this this particular project in a different way. I think usually I'm kind of, or historically, I've been somebody that really like 
is super drilled down. It's like, all right, you're going to hit this word count every day. You're going to get out, you know, you're going to get in the game. I'm like a football, you know, like a football coach of myself. And this project was not able to be approached that way because of all of these other kind of emotional factors that were going on. And because of the nature of like the climate of the world and quarantine and all of all of the content that was bringing forward. And so it really catalyzed a great shift in my artistic process, which has, you know, has, was, I think is here to stay at this point. And it was, it was really breaking this mode that I think a lot of people who work from themselves, you know, whether you're writing or whether you're making other things have where, you know, you can always be on. So sometimes like, you know, historically I've really been a, a kind of rigid manager of my time you know, where I'm like, all right, you're going to write from nine to four, and then we're going to not check email after that. And then this, and just like get this very boundaried way of working in place. So I can, you know, exist and like be in the world and not feel like (laughs) guilt and shame when I'm like not doing things that like further my business. And I wasn't able to work that way for this at all. I had to just sort of like rise in a moment and get to a certain, you know, and just like go for it and then fall into a clump and cry or like, you know, like crawl up to the, and so, you know, obviously I had sort of benchmarks that I would have to meet in terms of like, okay, you know, we're going to get January complete by such and such, but that kind of dailiness was not available to me anymore. And so sometimes I'd be writing it like, you know, 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday. And sometimes an entire Tuesday would go by when nothing happened. And it, it really changed the kind of faith I had in the unseen world too, because I was just like, you know, what do you want me to like spirit, divine, whatever, like, what do we got today? What are we doing? And a kind of listening. And I listened more in this process and I had to listen to, to try to hear something from the land of 2022, like coming through. And so it was really different for me. Um, it was a, it was a lot more about letting and loosening and listening than it was about me activating things in any way. It's so interesting. And that, I mean, that marked shift, it sounds like from your, from your prior way of working and I'm, you know, kind of layering on top of the, you know, mythology of the mundane and some of the other kind of things you've been talking about. Um, I'd I'd love to hear a bit um, about this, this trust aspect you're talking about. Cause I think that, you know, I am also a uh, lean towards control, though have shifted that over the years. Um, but I think for a lot of folks who are kind of interested in spiritual work, occult work, um, divination work, those kinds of things, um, there is always this kind of, there's often, I think not always, but often an element of seeking understanding, which can kind of transmute to a certain kind of rigidness of structure sometimes. And this element of trust, you're like, I had, I had, I had to trust, I had to like tune in, I had to like be listening. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that means for you in the, like now, like both like in your process and then also maybe just tied to how you're working with astrology. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, you know, and I, I feel like I say, or I use this term a lot, but it really, it really feels like the truest thing to me. And it's really a kind of like seasonality and a kind of like suppleness and taking the shape around that. And what I mean by that is that, you know, because I know that my tendency is to like get out ahead, whatever that means, or like get on it or, you know, which is, I don't know that I've really, anything has really happened for me in my life. If I'm really honest, looking back on my life through by getting on it or making it happen, (laughs) (laughs) if I'm really, really honest. And so I think it's a kind of like curiosity about what's presenting. And then it's almost like a modern dance where you then like curve your body around the thing. And there's an edge of that, which obviously like we, we don't want to like slide under or supplicate so much that we're like obliterated. But I think for me, astrology helps remind me that I'm like intact that there's like bits of me that won't ever be broken, that there's sort of this like codified cosmic content of me. And then I can go out to match the moment and be like, okay, what is this moment asking of me? Okay. Is this like, you know, um, a scorpionic moment where I'm being asked to really kind of like get swept or sort of get, um, you know, exfoliated in some way. And can I take the shape of that? Or is it, you know, a Capricornian moment where I'm really being asked to be in my bones and like kind of stand solidly, but none of these states are like things where we're actually 
doing anything or do or doing very little. I mean, obviously we, we make movement in particular ways, but it's like, I don't really move before I understand what's here. And like, if I've been able to kind of curve around that, even for a moment, it almost feels to me, and you know, you're a tarot practitioner. It almost feels to me a little bit about like how the, the court cards, like how I experience the court cards. It's just sort of like a remembrance of a kind of like slipping into something rather than like we're doing something like we're making something happen. Um, it's a kind of like identity or remembrance that this, this thing exists as part of us. I know this all sounds quite esoteric, but it's like, I really do kind of function that way now where it's like, okay, like a lot of stillness, a lot of listening, a lot of like letting the thing that's here kind of be in its full fluorescence before I move to like strike it down or augment it or whatever I'm going to do with it. Um, which, you know, um, varies, but really like a letting it present fully, like almost like letting it have its, um, like full speech, like tell me everything that it's about. And then attempting to kind of take the shape around that using the support of astrology and those 12, you know, those 12 sign archetypes and sometimes planetary archetypes and other things to really say like, okay, what is the feeling of this right now? What am I being asked to bring forward? I don't know if that makes sense. Mm, it does. It reminds me a little bit of how you were speaking about you know, astrology and the fate, free will, tension and the terrain, um, kind of a similar feeling tone, if you will, to, to that discussion as well. Like what is actually here, what is available, what's, what's present and working with that um, and how different that is than ignoring it or just rushing over it um, yeah. or giving in fully to it, right? It's not the same thing. Right. This is really random and I'm just going to say this because it's what it came up. And this is for my theater kids out there. If you learned this, I was <laughs> in, <laughs> oh my God, drama class. But there was, I had a teacher who taught us this concept of what he called graining. And I'm not sure any other teacher calls it this. So maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it was a, maybe it's just a special, special for my, my teacher. But um, it was this level of alertness in a scene where you weren't moving, you weren't actually moving at all. Um, but all of your energy and intention was so much so that it almost felt like you were moving towards something, engaging with something, um, mm. almost like you were leaning towards it is kind of like, but you weren't moving at all. And when you were talking, that's what this reminded me of this, like this extremely active engagement with what is present, um, as a kind of a starting point, almost like there's like energy, like there's like energy, like, like popping off your body, like for like and heading out into the, like the, this landscape that you're talking about. So sorry, any other theater kids, if you were a theater kid and you learned this concept of graining, please let me know. I would like to know. Yeah. Oh, this is fascinating me. And that this is like, not to get too random here either, but like, um, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed. I mean, I love all 12 signs, like, don't get me wrong, but I'm kind of like, it's not a secret, like obsessed with Virgo energy. And I've got no personal stake in the game. I've got no planets in Virgo, but I've always just been like a huge, like Virgo fangirl. So much so that I even wrote a Virgo book, like book all for Virgos a few years ago. Um, but it really puts me in the mind of a certain kind of attunement with Virgo energy. And Virgo energy is like, I feel like in some ways kind of this like secret key to like all of the archetypes. It's the sixth sign. It like sits right at the kind of center of the 12. And it's all about like exactly what you're saying. This kind of like, you know, as best I'm understanding it, this kind of grading, graining, this kind of listening in a kind of leaning forward, a kind of responsiveness. And that's where we break that like binary that exists between like feeling like we've either got to like take, take action and have power, or we're going to be powerless. And it's where we get like this idea um, with Virgo of devotion, you know, which I think is an idea that really seeds its way and sort of shimmies its way through all of astrology and tarot and mystical practices writ large and all of life, really, because it's like, how do we both stay intact and like show up as ourselves and also show up in a state of responsiveness and like hold both of those things to be true? I love that. Um, I also just love you being obsessed with a sign that you don't have. <laughs> I think that is like, that is really fantastic. But it's like, yeah, the devotion, I think is such a great word for what I was trying to describe because it is like, if you're in a scene or something, it's like, you are essentially like 
it is it is an act of devotion to be that fully present to be paying attention at that level to be yes like uh dissolving the binary right dissolving the, yeah. the separation so that you can fully experience it and then act then react then respond right. um, which sounds like what you're talking about with your creative practice yeah well, learning bit by bit day by day yeah i'm like very inspired by that and, <laughs> and that's why i'm asking about this i'm like so how does one trust <laughs> is that yeah. i'm asking for True. a friend through a lot of discomfort, through a lot of like serious discomfort. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that it always has to be uncomfortable, but I think, you know, I think, and we all experience this as like business owners or people who work for ourselves or, you know, the, these periods that are perceived to be fallow, you know, when something's not coming in or when the next thing is about, you know, and oh my God, damn, like if we're not being schooled and trust like as much or, you know, if not more so than a lot of different kind of professions or professional orientations. And this year I was really, I was really schooled in that. I had like, kind of like, really kind of uncomfortable for me, uncomfortable gaps between like when the next big thing, quote unquote, would come through. And it, it's different for everyone I know, but I, in those gaps was just like getting this thing where it was like, just getting this messaging around, like, you actually just have to make the move, like make the move monetarily in this direction, even though you literally don't see the money there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then like, something's going to come in, you know, and like that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm not talking about like, I know there's all kinds of like financial realities and I'm not talking about like, you know, simple, whatever manifestation or things like that. But I was just, you know, in my personal money story, I was hearing like, okay, you actually like, you can't, you're not going to be able to see it, see it in the account or see it solidly before you make the move. You're going to have to go first. And you know, all of those kinds of gaps, whether it's a money gap or whether it's a gap of like the next creator project or, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like serious hanged one. I've been in hanged one energy, like really big time, Ooh. you know, in the tarot this year, <laughs> like really big time. I'm it's sorry. like, it's like rotating on that spit cool. and it's like, yeah. okay, all right. Um, and yeah, it's been really building the trust muscle big time. I uh, can't wait to move into death um, next year. This is like, I'm talking about like my year, my yeah. year card, you know? Um, so I'm really like, I'm really, I've never found myself self so eager for death, but <laughs> <laughs> at least yeah. it'll be different. Right? It'll be different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. As we close, first of all, I didn't, I got a little bit of your info. So what are your signs? Uh, I am an Aries sun, a Leo ah. moon, a Libra rising, and then everything else is an Aries. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. You about that fire, were you? No, the Libra rising as well. It's a whole other podcast episode. I've, I'm still figuring out how to handle that one, but uh, thank God it's there because it's kept me out of prison. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> sweet little Libra rising. Um, not that Libra energy is always sweet. I actually find Libra energy to be quite fierce in its clarity, but it's a whole other conversation. Um, so yeah, I am um, a Libra sun. Hello. Oh, oh, perfect. What are your three? <laughs> uh, Libra sun, Aries moon, Sagittarius rising. Oh, we got a little, yeah, we got two out of three there. Yeah. We got some, we got some, some kinship and I'm, um, mm -hmm. have a fair amount of other fire in my chart situation. So yeah. Well, before we close, uh, this has been such a delightful conversation. I'm not sure I've gotten to talk about like smears and um, like Carly mythological <laughs> topography and Carly Rae Jepsen, <laughs> all with one person at one time before. So I'm really grateful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, um, thank you. But you, how can people, first of all, like when is the book out? Where can they get it? Yeah. So the book's out right now in oh, the yeah. UK. Amazing. Well, in the UK and oh. Europe, and I think maybe Australia. And um, because of, I think by the time this episode will reach listeners, it will definitely be out um, everywhere else. Um, so it can be found anywhere books uh, can be found. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'll be out in the world by then for sure. Awesome. And if people want to learn more about your work and work with you, where can they find you? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I think I'm the only person named best Matassa in the world. So if you That's just likely, yes, <laughs> if you just, I haven't found any others yet. Uh, if you find them, let me know. Um, but also if you just Google me, I'm just bestmatassa.com. Um, I have a, a number of sort of like ways in which I work with people, um, anywhere from, you know, a free astrology 
podcast that I offer um, that now runs monthly with fellow astrologer uh, Sandy Citron, um, which is really kind of like mini mystical workshops every month. That's all about sort of like a different emotional theme and then pulling out different parts of the chart and the tarot deck to help work with that theme. Um, so transformation is out now from November and uh, meaning will be the theme for uh, Sagittarius season in December. Um, and then, yeah, I continue to see clients on a one-on-one -on -one basis for readings um, and also one-on-one -on -one mentorship. Um, teaching astrology and tarot. And then starting in January, on January 1st, actually, I'm super excited to start um, something I'm calling the Cosmic Capsule Collection, which is basically a 12-month immersive journey uh, in every sign, planet, house, and tarot card, all unfolding um, through the natural evolution of the calendar year. So in January, we'll kick it off with Capricorn, the Queen of Pentacles, the 10th house and more, and we'll run all the way through to um, Sagittarius in December and Temperance and um, the, uh, the 9th house and all of those goodies. And so you can learn more uh, about that on my website or potentially a link in the show notes. And yeah, I'm super excited. And I'm on Instagram every every <laughs> here and again. Um, I'm not, it's not like my most vibrant way that I engage the world, but we'll see. We'll see what 2022 brings for my engagement with Instagram. Could be more robust. Who knows? <laughs> well, we will link all that up in the show notes. And uh, Bess very kindly offered um, some information and discounts for y'all. So I will talk that up. Um, Bess, um, for, for the Cosmic Capsule Collection, I love that name, by the way, there's a discount code um, that you can use uh, till December 4th called Star School. Um, that'll get you 20% off. So you should probably go check that out. That's in the link in the bio. And then if you are interested in booking a one-on-one -on -one session with Bess, you can do that for 20% off through the end of the year using the code Witchery. So those are in the show notes. Go check them out. Um, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those resources with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. And uh, Bess, any 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 last words? Anything like really mm. um, profound that you want to share with people? Uh, all I can think of is Carly Rae Jepsen's <laughs> album from last year, dedicated the B sides. Um, there's some really great tracks on it. My favorite track is. Um, something, the title has something to do with Mona Lisa. Um, so this is my only, this is my final thought. And my final thought for um, 2022, actually, and I think, you know, once we start into this new year, we're going to get, you know, quickly kind of potentially mired in the sea of like transits and astrological tangles and all of this. But it's like, if you remember one thing, I think that the feeling tone and the offering really of the whole year of 2022, and it's one that I'm wishing for all listeners and all beings on this planet is really kind of like almost the energy of a bodysuit. Um, the energy of 2022 is really about kind of finding more ease in processes of like composting and regeneration. And so if you imagine yourself in a bodysuit, you can't like store extra things. Usually in a bodysuit, there aren't like a lot of pockets. <laughs> and so there's a kind of wonderful simplification that this energy really promises. And so, uh, yeah, I think my final thought is just offering listeners a bodysuit of becoming for 2022, whatever that means for you. Thank you so much, Bess, for our bodysuits and for everything that you have shared with us today. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. Likewise, Sarah. And thank you everyone for listening. Go to the show notes, check out Bess, get this book, um, and like live your best like embodied astrological lives. I think that is, is my key takeaway. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, thank you guys for being here. You're the reason we make this show. I'll see you next week and best we'll see you maybe sometimes on Instagram um, or in all the other ways that you can. <laughs> you can. And every time you bite into a tomato, I'll be there. <laughs> My Leo moon will be there metaphorically. <laughs> uh, off to find a tomato right now. All right, y'all. Bye for now. Bye.